0: So, good morning, everyone. So, I'm Mark. Uh, I'm actually the founding pastor uh, here at E3. A couple of years ago, uh, I stepped down and Pastor Eric became the lead pastor. And I was uh, uh, entrusted with uh, leading the Red Eye Ministry, as you've already heard so much about. and, And then also... Uh, being a professor or, or an uh, instructor at Florida State University and their new entrepreneurship school. So I get to teach about, you know, every five, six weeks, and it is a great pleasure to still be part of this community and be able to uh, continue to preach. Uh, this has been an amazing series. I actually, uh, the, the first um, Sunday of this series, Pastor Eric actually talked about the formation of uh, Scripture, which uh, theologians or scholars call the canon of Scripture. He actually did one of the best jobs I've ever seen uh, talking about how the Bible has come together. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't there, you should uh, check out Vimeo and watch that that message because I thought he did a fantastic job in helping us understand just uh, how Scripture came come. Together or came together, and how it was decided, and how we know it is true. This is how we know. And through the progression of of this letter, First John, as we're we're going through, um, we first got just kind of this encouragement. John is writing to the church, and that's really important. If you're not a follower of Christ today, um, John's really not writing to you. Hopefully, the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and you'll get something. Uh, out of it, but he's really talking to the church and really the church that's holding together and trying to make it through a very tumultuous time in history. And the part that that uh, we're moving into, he starts out with encouragement and everything, and then now he's moving into warnings. Uh, this kind of reminds me, I was thinking about it, uh, is um, like a, a love sandwich almost. Do you know what a love sandwich is? I had no idea what a love sandwich uh, was until the lovely uh, Lori Green taught me what a what a love sandwich is. Uh, Lori and I have been working together for just about 15 years, and for many years, uh, uh, I was her direct report. We would talk it, and and basically, uh, if she was. Not that she would ever do anything that needed correcting or encourage, you know, encouragement to do. But but if that ever happened, uh, I would have a tendency to say, hey, Lori, you know what? We could do this. And I used to do that again and again and again. And then one day she sat down to me with me and she said, Mark, I want to teach you about a thing called a love sandwich. I, said, I love sandwiches, right? I, I'm all I'm all good. She's like, no, no, no. So when you're communicating with me, you know, it would be better if you first told me something that, that I'm doing really well. Like, compliment me. And I'm like, okay. And then tell me the thing that, you know, we need to work on. And then the other bread of the sandwich is then re-encourage me, you know, once again. And that's, that's the love sandwich, right? So, essentially, I, I try to do that. But it, I'm very awkward at it. Uh, and she knows, like, when I come in with a compliment, there's like, okay, right? And we don't have it, but, you know, it's like, okay, what, you know, all right, just, you know, she's like, just get on with it. And then also, it's made me totally paranoid with compliments, because I'm like, like, somebody gives me a compliment, I'm like, oh, no, not the love sandwich, right? It's coming, Uh, So it's kind of like he starts out with encouragement, but then he's coming in and it's not really like a correction here, but it's actually like a warning. And I don't know how you guys like to discover new places, but I think honestly, for me, the best way to discover a new city or a new region is actually on a bicycle. Big surprise, right? Uh, Is on a bicycle. In fact, I just got back this week from uh, Boston and Connecticut. I was up at a conference uh, up at Babson College, uh, the Symposium for Entrepreneurship Educators. Yes. Uh, And then Friday, my lovely bride there in the middle, uh, if you couldn't tell which one was my lovely bride, uh, uh, and I met in in Boston. And that's one of my best friends, Jim, and you've heard me talk about Jim, uh, and we got bikes and we rode around uh, Boston. He just moved to Boston, actually he moved to Boston that week. And I made fun of him the whole time because he was a horrible tour guide. He didn't know anything. And, and we just toured around and everything. And this has been a way that throughout the years that I've learned and, and experienced new places. Uh, many years ago, uh, my friends Jamie and Heidi who go here, uh, they met Shannon and I in Seattle. And uh, we rode our bikes from Seattle up around the Olympic National Forest and down to Portland. And we were going through all sorts of neat, uh, you know, new places and everything. And we were going along and I saw a sign and I called out to my friend Jamie. And I said, Jamie, look at that warning sign. And he looked at the warning sign. You know what happened? He He did that. (laughs) <laughs> he was like, What warning sign? And right when he did it, he turned his wheel and it went into the, the railroad tracks and he literally did that. I actually made him a shirt with that uh on it and it's been kind of a, a a fun thing. But basically this is the this is the section in this scripture where where John is saying, Hey church, look at the sign, but don't do a header over the, the handlebars, right? And so there's a lot of scripture today and we're not going to be able to dive super deep into it. That's why hopefully you're in growth groups and you can do your going deeper and uh, you can really pull out and have that discussion. But hopefully this will be a conversation starter today. So if you open up your Bibles, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, John says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world you do not have the love of the father in you for the world only offers only. And then he says three things. It's really interesting. These three things, a craving for physical pleasure. Number two, a craving for everything we see. And number three, pride in our achievements and possessions. Now, Something's really interesting about those three things. You know what those three things are and they have in common with? The woman in the Garden of Eden, who was later known as Eve. Those were the three things that the enemy tempted her with. Also, when Christ was fasting in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, those are the exact same three things that the enemy uh, tempted Jesus with to turn from God. And John here again is saying, look, the, the devil, the enemy comes and says the same three things again and again in our lives that, you know what, physical pleasure is going to fulfill you. Or the things that you see and you lust after, that they will fulfill you. Or if you achieve enough stuff or you get enough, you know, possessions you know, if you get a Tesla and, and a house on St. George's Island, is that right? Why that didn't sound right. St. George's Island and, and, you know, a boat and everything. Then you will be happy. You will be fulfilled. There's only one problem with that. It's not true. He goes on to say, these are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what God pleases will live forever. Now, this is really interesting. This first uh, section that scholars actually break it down into three different stanzas. And they basically have point and counterpoint. In verse 15 says, if you love, you know, that that loving the world and loving the world in the sense of, of not so much loving the people of the world, but desiring what the world offers and thinking that it'll give you fulfillment is the wrong path. That is a lie. And counterparts that with the love of the Father. It's so the next slide, I believe. There we go. And the love of the Father is the true love that we want to um, embrace. In verse 16... Uh, uh, John writes that you know what these things that come from the world now, what are the things that come from the world? Well, we just talked about it this 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 promise that you know physical pleasure is going to fulfill us that craving what we see you know that that if we see it and we get it that that we will be fulfilled or pride in our achievements versus the things that come. From the Father. What are the things that come from the Father? Faith, hope, and love. And this is the, the contrasting message. And, and I think a lot of times uh, we as Christians, we get pulled down into the details of, the, of these things, and we try to pull out one sentence. But in this section, really, I believe that John is really talking conceptually about, about these ideas. This, this concept of, of how the lure of of you know physical pleasure and things and achievements and not that any of those things are necessarily bad in themselves but he goes on later what happens is that that when you shift and move Christ out of his his central place of your desire and put those in and think that they're going to fulfill you it becomes you're living a lie and then verse uh, verse 17 says the world passes away but those who follow Christ live forever. So the next uh, scripture gets into something that's really in the Christian church and culture is is some loaded words. And, And hopefully as we talk about it today and hopefully in your growth groups that you can have some just really great conversation about it. It says, dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist, capital A, is coming and already many such antichrists have appeared. Now, I don't know if you've heard about the antichrist and kind of the concept of the antichrist. Now, the capital A antichrist is, um, is actually a person taught in the Bible in Revelation. Somebody who's going to come and embody these kind of ideas and pull people away as, as as a as a character, uh, for, take people off of Christ and onto things that are you know physical pleasure and possessions and achievements and these kind of things. So what are the antichrists? You know what are these lowercase a antichrists? And this is really fascinating because I think that that uh, we don't really conceptually think about it that way uh, a lot of times of what, is, what are these Antichrists. And, and there was a best-selling novel that came out maybe a year or two ago, and I'm not going to recommend it because it's pretty rough, but I, I actually read it because uh, conceptually, this author actually really understood what the, what the lowercase Antichrists are in our lives. And that novel is called American Gods. I think I have a picture of the American gods and they actually apparently they made a tv show about it too and again this is not recommended reading but but uh it's pretty rough but I actually I read it because I really wanted to see his concept on this idea of what are American gods and throughout the novel uh uh, these uh, actual gods um, uh, are personified out of the internet, out of TV, out of wealth, and they're competing with the old gods of like Jesus and and everything. And there's this whole like mystical war. Now, the storyline aside, this idea that that in this this very non-religious or Christian book, he nails it. He nails this idea of the Antichrist and even in the story that these Antichrists, you know, the internet or, or TV, and I'm not saying the internet and TV is bad. Don't hear that, please. But uh, uh, they, they say, you know what? If you, if you, you know, that we can fulfill you and they're trying to pull people's attention away from faith, hope and love. And these are the the idols in our lives. Now, I think what gets really, really tricky, though, in this, especially for those of us who are followers of Christ, that that how can you have, like, things that are good? How do you interact with things that are good uh, and not have it pull you away, right? Like, I use the Internet. I like the Internet. You know, I, I like TV to a much lesser degree. Um, you know, I like money. You like money? I like money. You know, uh, and, you know, so how, how do you interact and, and kind of interact with these things that can be, you know, that, that could potentially become Antichrist? But I, I kind of like the, the idea of, you like, change the word Antichrist with idols, does that make it kind of so? Because I, the, the Antichrist word is so loaded. But if you just think about it, Antichrist is something that is anti or, or contrary to the teachings of Jesus. So if you think about Antichrist, which is con, that something that is contrary to the teachings of Jesus. Well, what does Jesus teach? What are some key principles that Jesus teach? Okay, this is where you get to teach me. Love your neighbor, okay, love your neighbors uh, as yourself, so absolutely so um, but a lot of times, especially you know in in cinema and t v and 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 internet, and we were actually having a conversation about about uh, just internet games and things like that in the green room before you guys all all came in, and uh, somebody I think Cody said uh, 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 that he, he has found that it's a real time suck, right? That these things, and and, and in a sense, and again, this is you know not hellfire and brimstone. This is you know this is in a sense conceptually. You think about these online games and they're being a, can can potentially become an idol or an antichrist because they're contrary that you are trying to self-fulfill versus loving your neighbor or serving your neighbor, and. I wish it was just black and white and, and just really easy. But it, it's really, you know, and this is where community comes in that, that, you know, and just like having people speak into your life and just say, hey, you know what? You seem to be spending a lot of time, you know, playing these games or you seem to be spending a lot of time watching TV, you know, or, you know, that you haven't gone out and, you know, that the, the, the whole loving your neighbor is yourself, you know, hasn't seemed to been a big Priority And maybe this antichrist, this idol, this thing, it's not a teaching of Christ is pulling you away from the vision that God has for your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So that's what he's talking about. What what is these antichrists? The interesting thing is, and I didn't know this. I actually learned this this week that uh, antichristos. Antichristos. Uh, it, uh, the only person ever to use this term in the Bible is John. That, that uh, it clearly that people, they would talk about it, and, but he was the first person to basically coin the phrase and write it down and, and use it as this, this concept. And he continues on from this idea of Antichrist kind of pulling us away from the teachings of Christ, and he says this, From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. And I know that conceptually, like when 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 John's talking about the last hour, I personally believe this is a personal belief that we are currently living in the church age. So uh essentially uh before there was sin uh there was we were in the ideal state the man and the woman uh were in the garden and were in perfect fellowship with god and then um humanity had to move through uh, hardship and basically the law and then uh, christ came and showed us how to live and then he died for our sins and then he rose three days later and conquered, uh, conquered uh, the grave, and ushered in Pentecost, the Church Age, which we are now in, which is the, uh, theologically and scripturally is the is the the last hour in a sense, of of humanity before the ideal state before Christ comes back, and throughout Scripture, especially in prophecy, that we tell, that we're told that that. Biblical communities are going to continue to shrink and shrink and shrink as these antichrists grow and grow and grow and pull people away. And we, we see this happening. Uh, a recent study, it just came out uh, in the 1990s, uh, church attend, regular attendance, not counting like you know, C&E Christians. You guys know what a C&E Christian is? Christmas and Easter Christian, right? C and E Christian, like people who are regular attenders, like people who go to the nine AM worship gathering. Like you guys are the chosen, right? You know, hardcore. So, in nineteen ninety, uh, church attendance was about twenty point four percent of people uh, who regularly attended uh, church. You now, there is a slide. Here, and it has some predictions on it, but essentially, uh, uh, in 2010, that dropped to 16.6 percent. They're saying they're thinking uh, at current rate, 15.4 percent, and then by 2015, regular church attendance is going to be 11.7 percent. Now, there's a lot of reasons for this. Uh, uh, number one, uh, uh, 10,000 new churches would actually need to open up every year to keep up with just our population growth, that would just keep us stagnant. And that's not happening. Uh, but I think even more so than that, and is this idea that these antichrists, these these idols, these these promises of fulfillment have have permeated our, our culture. Because if people believed, still believed, that, uh, that Christ could fulfill and give, him, give you the rich and abundant life that he came to give you, that, that church attendance would be packed, right? If we were living these rich and, and abundant and triumphant lives, not rich in the sense of monetary, but in life experience, uh, that, that churches would be packed. But these antichrists, as John's talking about, are pulling people away. And what he's saying is like, some people come and they come for a while and they don't experience the Holy Spirit in a real and meaningful way. They don't, aren't fulfilled to the point of overflow and they get lured by another kind of false teaching that either physical pleasure or wealth or, or possessions or prestige is going to fulfill you. He goes on in verse 20, he says, But you are not like that. Right? And does he, again, he's talking to the church. He's like, You are not like that. You are still here. You are not like that. For the Holy One has given you his spirit. And all of you know the truth. The Holy Spirit is kind of, we sang a song about the Holy Spirit, and, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, is part of the Trinity, right? You have the Father and the Son and the, and the Holy Spirit. And, and we know, and actually Eric's done a really fantastic teaching on the Trinity as well recently. And this idea that uh, all are one and, uh, and, and this is God. And the Holy Spirit is uh, who indwells in, in us, those of us who are followers of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is meant to speak to us what is true and what is not true. Now, the problem is we're imperfect, right? It, you know, our souls have mess in them. That, that our hearts have mess in our, our brains have, you know, junk in them. And it's hard to hear clearly. I used to have very good hearing. My hearing is horrible now. I, uh, it's very difficult for me to hear uh, my students at FSU. They, you know, they'll say something, especially in a larger lecture hall, and it it just it sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? And I think part of it is they don't enunciate and they mumble, but I think part of it is my hearing as well. And and the Holy Spirit is one of these tricky things that that that. Uh, I believe that the Holy Spirit always speaks the truth, but sometimes we can't hear the truth. I used to be a musician, and I used to be able to tune my guitar by ear. Um, And uh, just say, like, if I just hit the G string, I would know exactly uh, what that sounded like, and I could tune pretty darn close to to the G. I could not even do that uh, today. But it's this, this idea that musicians can can tune their ear to know what is a pure G or a pure E. Right, Sarah? You can't, but yes, you could. But a lot of... Charlie could. I think Charlie Venture is here. He, he could do it. So... Uh, and... This is kind of like for me conceptually is like understanding the Holy Spirit is, you know what, you need to tune your ear to what is true. What is God's truth? What is is Christ telling you? And this is where he goes into is, is basically saying, look, the Holy Spirit is here. And when you listen to the Holy Spirit, you will know truth. Verse 21, so I am writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. You know the truth between truth and lies. And I think that the more time that that we spend out of, of God's presence and the more time that we interact with these antichrists, and again, hear me, I'm not saying that, you know, to isolate yourself. But again, this is a a warning sign, right? This is a cautionary tale. And he goes on to say, and who is a liar? And he he, he just, he spells it out very, very clearly in three points. Anyone who says Jesus is not the Christ, they are a liar. Christ in Greek is Messiah. um, So the one who comes to save. Number two, anyone who denies the father and the son is an antichrist. And then finally, anyone who denies the son doesn't have the father either. And then he finishes on a positive here. But anyone who acknowledges the son has the father also. And this is really the doctrine of, of the Trinity coming together here with John just saying like, uh, uh, echoing the words of Jesus, if if you've seen me, you have seen the Father, and you know this idea that that you know what if you don't like what you see in Jesus, then you're not going to like God the Father, and you will not have the Holy Spirit. Verse twenty four, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning okay class participation time again uh, so what have you been taught from the beginning of your faith like what what are the what are the core tenets of Christianity Jesus loves you okay wow 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 what enunciate I just told you to enunciate he okay he he, he he died for our sins. Absolutely. Ten commandments. Okay. Ten commandments. Uh, love God. Love people. Redemption. Redemption. That you can be redeemed and that it's never too late for you. Humility. Humility that was an excellent, excellent point. <laughs> Thank you for playing along, Elizabeth. And here's commentary. Okay. This is Mark, Mark's opinion. Uh, I think a lot of times we try to jump into, you know, PhD level Christianity and get really into the weeds and we forget what what were we just taught from the beginning. And really what we were taught from the from the beginning is we are all broken and messy people. Nobody's perfect. This, this is just Christianity 101. This is what we've been taught, that we are all in need of a Savior. And that Savior is God. And God came in the form of Jesus Christ and, and had, uh, that a payment for the, for that debt had to be paid. And Jesus paid that debt. And He conquered the grave to give us the opportunity to put our faith in Him so we could have the opportunity to have eternal life and have fellowship with God. This is what we've been taught about. From the beginning. This is the core tenets of, of Christianity. And unfortunately sometimes one of the antichrists. Can become doctrine right. And arguing over, over the nuances. Versus what did we learn in the beginning. What are the key tenets. And here here's a core belief that I have. That a lot of these antichrists. And, and things that pollute our soul, that, that they get taken care of the more that you fill yourself with Christ and his body. Because the more you fill yourself with the Holy Spirit and Christ and God, the less room there is for the junk that is out there. He continues on and says, if you do, you will remain in fellowship with the son and with the father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. And then he just concludes with this. He says, I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. To warn you about the... And then he says this, but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. Now, you can't fool yourself and think I'm hearing the Holy Spirit if you know you're not. You have to be really honest with yourself and, and others. Number two, he says, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what He teaches is true. It is not a lie. And then finally, so just as He has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And ultimately if you want to boil down all the tenets of Christianity into the original thing that we were taught, is that Christ came to give us a rich and fulfilled, abundant life. And if we live in Christ, our lives will overflow. And in that overflow, we will be able to bless others. The more you fill yourself with Christ... The less you have to worry about Antichrist leading you astray. Can you pray with me?